my own gums. What's happening, people? I am Thomas Griffin. This is my own gums, and this week we're back up in native places in Manchester, where we've got the pleasure of Charlie Ballard from Royal Rags. Charlie is a seller of impeccably curated vintage clothing. He's a stylist, model, and a proper clothing tastemaker. I recorded with him a few months back at the Pop Down Pop Up event in Manchester, but thought I'd get him on my own garments for a more relaxed chat without all the hecklers. If you like the app today, then get subscribing. We've got loads more quality guests lined up for you. Go and follow us on the socials for bonus clips, BTS, pics, future guest announcements, and all that good stuff. Massive thanks to everyone who's shared and supported so far. And if you've got a business venture that needs some advertising, hit us up. Let's work something out. Right, let's crack on. This is My Own Garms with Charlie Ballard. So Charlie, welcome to My Own Garms. Thanks for doing it, man. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you again. Yeah, well, likewise, man. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm not too bad. I'm slightly tired just from not having a day off for multiple weeks. But aside from that, the show must go on. Considering you've had a mad weekend in London, you're looking box fresh this morning. I might look it, but I don't feel it. <laughs> but no, I'm okay. I'm not too bad. I, I'm more just like lagging. And I know that there's just a lot that needs to be done. And I feel like that's more just weighing on me right now. Yeah. But then once stuff's out of the way, it'll be fine. Oh, man, when the sun's out. It's sun's easy. out. It's a good that. day. As soon as I opened my curtains and I saw the sun, I was like, okay, at least it's not raining like typical Manchester. Right. My first question for you is Prince Charles, your real life namesake. That's the, for anyone that doesn't know, Charlie's uh, Instagram handle is Prince Charles with Zs in it. Mm -hmm. Prince Charles, uh, he's king now, isn't he? He is the king, and so many people have told me to change it to King Charles. But, uh, <laughs> Prince Charles is a thing now. For real? So always be the real Prince Charles. I can't though. really change it anymore. I don't want to be King Charles anyway. Yeah, it's not got the same. It was never really royal family related. It was more royal rags. Prince Charles just made sense. My question to you is, do you think uh, King Charles is an actual lizard? Like, he could be. I'm not going to be one of those people that is going to be like a mad conspiracy theorist and say that he definitely is, but I don't, I don't think anything's impossible these days. It's not definitely not, is it? Well, they're all weird, aren't they? <laughs> I've seen his eyes flickering. None of them are normal. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but could just be a normal person that just isn't quite right, like all of us. But at the same time, he could be a lizard, but he could be anything. He could be an alien. <laughs> Great answer, man. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen his fingers recently? I have. Uh, I only learnt about the whole finger thing when the Queen passed away which is kind of a weird thing to associate with the Queen's death is Prince Charles's fingers while King Charles. It's so nuts when you... But like, they are crazy, they're mate. fucking wild, man. You're never getting a ring off one of them. Indeed. I think the ring that's on there must have been on for decades, man. It's, it's Probably wild. why they're so big. The circulation's done in. Yeah. <laughs> big, porky, salty-looking things, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, like extra-thick Richmond sausage. Indeed. Same colour, same consistency, same salt content, I'd imagine. Yeah, they probably taste the same as well. Tell us a bit about what you do. Tell us about Royal Rags. The name is a proper juxtaposition in it. You've got the Royal kind of high end and the Rags, the kind of like vintage side of it. And I feel that's what you do, bringing the kind of exclusive names of Prada yeah. to, to a kind of an attainable, um, attainable for kids and for young people to wear. Yes, yeah, interesting you say that because I've actually always hated the name. Have you? Yeah, always. I've and always not been wanted... able to change it because it's so established. Exactly that, yeah. But I guess how you summarise it then, I've never thought about that in my head in terms of like the royal being like the high end and the rags just being kind of more like the, as you would say, I don't know, just sports weary bits, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I've always hated it, but I started it when I was really young and I was doing up to no good and I just needed something that kind of like flowed and royal rags flowed. No one had it, so I took it. But I kind of wish it was just one word and simple and more more professional as opposed to, like, something that has clothes related in it. Mm. So people would know what it is. So, like, more of, like, a brand name, do you know what I mean? How you could have, like, or, like, a store name. So, like, for example, like, Bankrupt in yeah. London. Or, like, Files, like that vintage store. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just, like, a word, but it's, like, everyone knows to associate it to them. I think but, there's some beauty in something you named as a kid before you knew any better. And it's kind of grown with you, though. You kind of have to learn to love yeah. it. Yeah. There's a the second venture that I've started anyway outside of Royal Rags that's going to be its own entity that is just one word and a brand in itself. But 
I can't really speak about that right now. That'll there'll be more to come of that come come July August. Always for the gatekeeping, man. I love it. No, I, well, I can't. Well, it's all yeah. Well, <laughs> you may see little dribs and drabs on my Instagram story if you look closely. Sometimes. All right. I'll keep but there's very very interesting stuff that's going to happen. Exciting, it's going to be man. fun. Yeah, I'm excited for it. We'll come on to that future element of it in, in a little bit. But uh, for those people that don't know, Royal Rags, um, what is it that you do? Royal Rags is something that I started eight years ago. I've worked many jobs, McDonald's, fruit farms, plastering, worked in pensions, call centres, done all sorts of rubbish. Uh, but I seem to get fired from every job. I wonder why. Um, I don't know, I just don't like being told what to do by other people, I guess. So always like clothes, Depop had just started. Started making money on there, just some charity shopping, quit my job, was just charity shopping in Derby every day. And it eventually was able to make me afford to pay rent on a house and then kind of took it a little bit more seriously. And then it kind of went from there, really. And as it grew, I was like, OK, this isn't slowing down. This is actually like a thing now. It's less of a hobby and more of a job. I feel like it's been going for eight years, but I've only seen it as a job within like the last like, year or two, I think. Is it only in the last year or two that it's been able to kind of sustain you a little bit more? Is it, was it always... No, nah, it's always sustained me. If anything, it's sustaining me less now because right. life's way more expensive and we're in like yeah. a crisis in every way, shape or form financially as a country. But that's why all of the freelance, the freelance. If I didn't have the freelance stuff, I'd be pretty screwed, I mm. But Royal Rags is still going strong, and people are still buying it. But everything, everything's got to be reinvested now. How's it changed over the eight years that you've been doing it? Like my kind of read of it is that you were kind of buying and selling anything that you could make money out of initially, and now it's a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more. You're thinking what? I remember hearing you say that I kind of love every piece of clothing that I buy and sell, like it's yeah. got a bit of you in it. Is that something you've worked towards or was it always like? Well, the thing I like around the whole thing is sourcing. And at the start, you don't know where, you, it all comes with time and experience and meeting people mm. and speaking to the right people. But at the start, it was whatever I could find in a charity shop and I could make a raise off, whether it be a Burberry shirt, a Nike sweatshirt, a Lacoste jumper, anything that I can make money off I'd sell because that's how you've got to start and then you find wholesalers and you can kind of be a fussier but you still have to buy some stuff you don't want to buy. But then I eventually found ways and made links and did X, Y and Z that could... Everything I buy now, none of it comes from a wholesaler. Everything is like individually bought from like certain places and sent to people in like different countries here and there and then will get sent to me like when there's accumulations of it all but I've just finally got to the stage where I can afford to do that and I know how to do that mm. but every bit that I source is something that I'm like I'm excited for it to arrive as opposed to just being like oh, I've got like steam 10 night sweatshirts put them on the website that's boring Yeah. but now I've reached the fun bit that I've always wanted to be at where I can make royal rags exactly how I want it as opposed to just having to do what every, well, not everyone, most people do in like the reselling game and just buy whatever's popular at the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I just got lucky that the stuff that I like is somewhat popular, I guess. It's, you're, you're making it popular, man. Uh, I don't like. I think you do. Dog, oh, come on. Let me tell you. you do. Uh, I said in the intro that you're a taste maker and you definitely. I don't know. I feel like I've influenced some things. Yeah. But I don't ever want to come across as big-headed or a knobhead so I don't like to be like yeah I've done this I've done that yeah. I know that I did a lot for Arcterics because no other store was selling the amounts of it that I was before anyone else or anyone was even selling it yeah but it's just because I liked it in the first place and I wore it and then realized people started to sell it and I could get jacket nobody else was on it and you could go on even go on British eBay now they're all two three four five hundred quid whatever go on there Four, year, four or five years ago when I first started selling them, they were 40 quid, yeah. do you know what I mean? And you were buying them off just dads and no one, they'd been on there for days. No one's looking for it. You could just get as many as you wanted. Nice. So I feel like I kind of brought that in, but I wasn't the one who solely did that. But I got influenced by other people, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it wasn't me that did that. I got influenced by like all the writers that were painting in it. And then obviously that came from all the English people that were doing it were copying the people in New York that were doing it. And then I started selling it and then everyone else started selling it. And then every, I bet if we walked out of here and took one hundred meters down there, we'd walk past them all wearing one. Probably multiple people. Exactly, them, man. They're everywhere in Manchester. Mm -hmm. the yeah, everywhere, man. Everyone's got one. Rep your ends. So you're from down in the southwest, right? Yeah. Bristol, 
ish. I say Bristol because it's the closest city to where I live, and it's not like I'm from like a middle of nowhere, a hamlet. It's not even yeah. a village. It's like eight houses and then sticks surrounded by fields. When stuff. you come from the middle of nowhere, you always end up adopting a city that's kind of near to you, just because yeah. you get sick of explaining. And like as soon as I was old enough to be able to hop on a train on my own, we would always go to Bristol and just skate for the okay. day, and then come back. All and then when we were like eighteen, we'd go there and we'd go to clubs, and then we. As soon as I was old enough, like I lived there for ages anyway. Yeah. But I did very much so grow up in the arse end of nowhere with no buses, streetlights, pubs, shops, anything. So I guess we can talk about both of these places then, like the rural and the urban of Bristol. So what? Let's start with the kind of the the hamlet. What kind of the Shire? Yeah, the Shire. What is what's it called specifically? Western Banfield. Western Banfield, all right. So what kind of clothes were you seeing people wearing in... Is it fa farming community, right? Your farming community, for sure. My family were the only family there. Mm. That, that We were like the only younger generation in the whole little area that we lived in. But what were the adults wearing? What's the, what, what Wellies and dickies, dungarees covered in cow poo. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that was the attire. Or like a burghouse jacket and some waterproof trousers and some wellies and everyone was just walking their dogs basically okay there was no it was just old people yeah wear whatever nobody cares mm. when i go back now and i look like this like do you know what i mean when yeah. i go tatted and i'm all like this all the same people live there but they're just like who the bloody hell is this guy now do you know what i mean like literally asking you like yeah what, i've had a few people double take me and they'd be like charlie and i'd be like yeah and they'd be like christ you've changed haven't you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm still the same person. I've just got a lot of different things on my body. I guess. It must be so jarring for those people. I know that there's, we've got the internet, you can telly and shit, you can see people on them, mm -hmm. but like, when you see someone that's come from there, undergo a swan-like transformation mm -hmm. into what you are now, it must be pretty like... Yeah, sometimes I do catch myself in the mirror and think, have I ruined my life? <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, but nah, I just got to roll with it. I can't even say that. I got a new toe yesterday, so I could just... Can't even can't even complain. <laughs> it is what it is. I like it anyway. I'm happy with it. Yeah, man. All right, I just wonder what I'm going to look like in about 40 years' time. Is what I'm thinking. I mean, you see old people with tattoos. You think, fuck hell, you look kind of like sick. Man. Yeah, very sick. Storied, yeah. like living a life of stories. So that's that's the rural side of it. Mm -hmm. um, let's go to the to Bristol, which I guess you were exploring maybe from. 11, 12 kind of age. What were you seeing people wearing there? Was it a bit of a culture shock to you when you first went to the city? Bristol is, I'm biased because I'm from there, but the best city. And no one judges anyone. You can wear what you want. And it's mainly full of skaters and hippies. So mm. there's a lot of harem pants. There's a lot of people getting around in crochet stuff. But then everyone's wearing like Converse and polar trousers, big boy jeans and some skate hoodies and beanies. Everyone's either looking like a skater or... In the recent years, it's changed and obviously TikTok's influenced a lot of people and you're seeing a load of Art Terrace jackets and the VC jeans coming from like the student side of it. But Bristol as a whole, it's very, I don't know, like Adson style, kind of sensible, sensible. like kind of young professional, just clean. Yeah. Not too loud. It's either like that or the complete opposite and someone's wearing like the craziest pattern tie-dye t-shirt with like harem pants with elephants all over them. Do you know what I mean? And they've got dreadlocks. So I've been a couple of times, maybe three times in my life and that is something that's always stood out to me, the kind of non-judgmental side. You can like do whatever People you want. existing next to each other, not rubbing up against each other. Like in a lot of Northern cities, especially a couple of decades ago, maybe when things were more stratified, mm -hmm. there was a bit of friction between the different people, and I didn't get that. Well, that's one thing that I've noticed about Manchester. I'm not, and I'm not going to about to start like slewing Manchester or mm. putting it down in any shape or form. But in Bristol, doesn't matter who you are, everyone's mates. Yeah. It's like I could be sat at the harbour with a fashion-related friend, and then like the skaters come over, but then one of our like hippie pals comes over, but like. And that's normal, and everyone's friends, and no one cares. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the odd one out in Bristol because I'm the only one that really cares about clothes and does what I do. And like, but that's what I like about because I don't have to talk about my job outside. I can do fun stuff with my friends. But in Manchester, it's very work. Everyone wants to look a certain way, and I can imagine if like one of my white dread friends came and sat with us, everyone would be like. Who is this guy? Yeah. You know what I mean, but in Bristol, it's just like, yes. Like, or they'd ask for a Rizzler and then they sit with you and then you're just chilling with them and then you just get to know him. It's just, yeah. It's a very, very nice place to be. I know you can get 
creativity out of hardship and things like that. But when you have got a supportive, like loving community, mm -hmm. it can create a lot of beautiful stuff. It can be a very self-destructive place because it is a city that is like renowned for students and partying and whatever. But I feel like I didn't get too caught up in that because I did it when I was younger anyway. And yeah. when I like lived there when I was older, I would just enjoyed life being there. Still had fun, but you learn how to, you know when too much is too much. Yeah. So you can just chill it a little bit. So it's nicer, but you can either like, it can either go one way or the other with Bristol. You can lose your head there or you can find Fall into a K-hole. Yeah. You can fall into a K-hole that you never come out of or you yeah. can land on your feet and get a banging opportunity. Mm. Let's talk about your most recent moves. You've been up in Manchester for what? Like just 10, over a year. A year now. Yeah, yeah, just over. It's a sick city to be in. Like, it was always my adopted home city when I was young. Like, I'm from about 40 minutes away from here. The music's always been banging, the clothes have been banging. Was it clothing specifically that attracted you to move up here? Uh, no, it wasn't anything to do with clothing at all, to be honest. It was more so I had a supplier here and I was coming up here all the time, came up here one time, and the shipment got delayed by like three days, but it was like a five hour train, and I was like, I can't be bothered to go back and then have to come back again yeah. in three days time. So I was like, I'm just gonna wander around and just kind of figure it out. Because every move that I make, I'd never really know what I'm gonna do, I just kind of just wing it, and that was one of them. Bumped into Emma, who did Pop Down, yeah, outside a pub, shout out Emma big time. And then I went and chilled with her and all of her friends, and then we all became friends. And, I, and that, this was like during this, this was, that day was the day lockdown finished and pubs reopened for what the first day, time. Man. Fucking felt so good, didn't it? It was an amazing day, and I just met all of those guys outside the Alvarium, because I just come out of bags of flavour. I got shouted over by Saskia, my friend. <laughs> uh, and I went over and got drunk with them, ended up just partying with them for like three days. And then I just kept coming back like once a fortnight and just spending a weekend here and just kind of liked it. And I, I wanted to get out of Bristol because I've been there again for like six years and I feel like I'd hit a ceiling there. And I kind of wanted to do like Bristol, Manchester, then London. Yeah, so then I just moved here on like a spontaneous one. Just went to Spain and got red wine drunk and then texted my landlord saying I was moving out of Bristol in three weeks and then just kind of just, that sealed the deal. So I got back to England, like, right, let's sort stuff out and let's sort out and move to Manchester. I love it, man. Spontaneity seems to be something that suits you well, I think. And yeah, work I'm going to get out of here very soon though, I think. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's the plan. But I'm. this is a very recent... Well, no, I've been planning to move to London in June for the last, I don't know, six months anyway. Yeah. But I just don't know if it's somewhere that's particularly good for me. Work-wise, yeah. Head-wise, not sure. Because mm. it can turn people into certain people. It's a dilemma, man. Yeah. It's quite a lonely city to be in. Yeah. I've, uh, I get down there a lot for work and it's... Yeah, I do feel the pressures, but in I'm both there directions. every weekend, man, and I'm tired. Like, look at like fucking sucks the money out. Do you know what I mean? Man. I get go there with money, to, and I'm making money when I'm there, and I come back in debt. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I'm like, how have I done this? It's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. But I might just move back to Bristol to be honest with you. Yeah. It is my happy place, man. I'll go there now and I'll get a serotonin boost as soon as I walk out of the oh. Temple Mead Station. Like I love it. Lovely. Love it. It's in the summer as well. But then it's just trying to figure out what I can do there. Because there, is there isn't an awful lot to do there in terms of, like, job prospects. I could open a shop at some point, I don't know. I, it's just a lot I need to figure out, basically. But yeah. Manchester is going to come to an end within the next like, couple of months, I think. Always moving like a shark, aren't you? Yeah, man, just get about. I just get itchy feet. I can't stay in one place for too long. So let's talk about that. So I know you've you've been about, but you're a pretty well-travelled guy in yeah. terms of cities in the UK and countries around the world. Uh, I know you've been on a lot of buying missions to travel to interesting places. Where have you been that you've found particularly inspiring for Garms? Uh, I've, do you know what? I've only ever been, I've never been really to countries to like buy stuff aside one. And that was pre-lockdown. I was going to South Korea. Like mm, I think that's, I think we talked about that. Before. Yeah, I went like four times. No one knew about South Korea then apart from me and maybe two other people. And one of them's like Bobby that does bags of flavour, if you know it. Shout yeah. out to Bobby. Yeah. But Bobby's been going there for like 20 years. He's been going for t ages. But in terms of places that you travel for for pleasure then, where have you been and thought, you know, people dress cool, here, man, or this is like something I've never seen before anywhere no, else? No, the best dress sense is probably Korea as well. Yeah. People in Europe dress rubbish. Sorry, everyone in Europe. You, do, you just wear skinny jeans and denim jackets and shit. It's so boring. But the weird thing is, it's like I sell so much stuff to people in like the Netherlands and places like that and Sweden and whatever. And I go to these countries and I don't see anyone like dressing like how I 
people can wear what they want. I don't care. You feel comfortable in whatever you want to wear. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to judge anyone, but I just expected to see more of it, but I just don't really. And what do you see in Korea that you don't see anywhere else? Is it the, is it creativity? Is it the, the, the shapes of the clothes? In is my it? opinion, we get fashion trends off of Korean and Japanese people and like we get it kind of at the same time or just before like Americans mm. do. They're way ahead of it. Like I'll go there and I'll see people walking around and stuff and I'll be like, that looks sick. And then six months later, people here are wearing the same thing. Like Avery's jackets became popular for a bit and all these like leather jackets, but watching people in Korea walk around in baggy trousers and crazy Avery's jackets since before lockdown, that was like four years ago. Yeah. And just drip feeds bit by bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd expect the kind of time to be compressed now with, you know, because everything's instantaneous and digital and you can get inspiration from a South Korean Instagram account mm -hmm. or TikTok and immediately re recreate that. Look, you can buy baggy pants over here, you can buy Averix jackets over here. Yeah. Uh, but it still does seem to exist like that um, Japan and South Korea and a lot of the kind of East Asian countries just are ahead of the curve. They're way ahead of the curve and all cool brands are black kind of from there, if you look into it. Where's Armando from? Japan. Mm. Yeah. Where's Kavent from? Japan. Where's like side service from? Korea. Yeah. Where's post archive faction from? Korea. All of these like brands that are doing stuff that people have not done before and other brands are starting to now copy that all from these countries. Like they are way ahead of it. <laughs> like way ahead. Oh, I'm still laughing at your take on Europe, man. Skinny jeans and leather jackets. Everyone does dress like poo, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm sorry if I offend any European people. Um, Fuck him. I'm sure there are some of you that dress sick, but... Team Brexit. <laughs> team Brexit, man. Nah, we actually flopped that so hard. It's made my life way harder. <laughs> Sending stuff to... Import fees. Yeah. So we touched on this briefly in the little pre-podcast bit, but talk to me about skating and the impact that that had on you and the and your clothing taste. Uh, skating, I don't know where to start with it, really. I started when I was like eight, I guess, I think. I just used to ride around on my older brother's board, broke it, my mum got me on for Christmas, and then I would just, every day when I got back from school, I'd skate it, and then on the weekends I'd like get dropped off at the skate park, skate it, and just carried on doing it always. It's only over the last like couple of years that I've slowed down, really, but it's just, I'm one, my body hurts, and two, I'm super, super busy, and I just don't have time, which is really annoying. But skating has always just been a great outlet for becoming... I feel like an introverted extrovert, but skating gave me the extrovert side. Okay. Because I was left at skate parks from uh, like 11 years old with kids that were like 17, 18. Do you know what I mean? So I like grew up and you matured. I learned a lot. I watched, I paid attention. And I liked, I always liked being out and I liked being around people. And it gave me that. But in terms of fashion... I don't know because it's just like the Korean example again like four or five years ahead of when everyone else does it skaters are doing it yeah but like when I was skating when I was like 10 it was we were wearing like the skinniest jeans man we were like nail varnish on we had crazy hair we dressed like we were dressed like we just only listened to Blink when it yeah Blink when it is but that's creative for kids to be into isn't it like I expressing loved it. yourself slightly outside of the, the norms of fashion it's, mm -hmm. it's a really good breeding ground for creativity later in yeah, your life yeah. I think I feel like I'm the odd one out when I go skating now because I've got clothes at home that is like this, mm. but I wouldn't skate in this. I have clothes that I would skate in instead. Right. So I've got like, there's two different variations. Okay. But it's more so I just don't want to fuck up nice stuff that I've paid yeah, a lot of money man. for. But I'm like the, the, the odd one out that goes skating because I'm not like, I just do clothes, don't I? Yeah. And most skaters don't give a You've shit. You've got skills, man. Yeah, I know, but I'm like well OCD about clothes. And if I, even if I'm skating and they're a pair of trousers I don't care about, I'm always like, oh, I've ripped them. Or I've yeah. done whatever when other skaters, like, right, you can see the whole arse through the back because they yeah. rip their trousers to shreds. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you've got skate outfits, it pure like spandex body suit so you don't rip any uh, not, not, not to that extent but it's just more <laughs> so just like pairs of jeans yeah. that I was just like I've got a pair that I was skating and then I've got a pair that I won't skating so obviously that's a big part of the kind of culture that birthed you um, a lot of the brands that you were into then were skate brands uh, are there any other cultures and subcultures that you like to dig into for inspo I mean a lot of the stuff that you do is outdoor influenced at the moment. You talked about um, graffiti writers being a kind of big influence. Are they two that you, you you find inspiring? I would say graffiti, like writers, like right now, I'd say just Manchester's got a crazy scene for it. Mm -hmm. Bristol is a city that's covered in artwork, I'd say. 
yeah like, there's graffiti everywhere and it's sick and like i've always taken photos photography and graffiti and music is what inspires me and like the subcultures outside of it really but it's all like bristol based i would say because graffiti had always been a big thing there photography and people like Rama ginley are just super 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 interesting and i've just always loved to delve into that and i like taking photos as you know it's like a little side thing that was just a hobby that kind of turned into a, a hobby job yeah sometimes because yeah. i've been paid for it to do whatever but it's nothing i ever thought i would end up doing but people liked it so it happened and then music i don't know i don't know where to start on that because my music taste is so varied but bristol's a big old 140 dubstep drum and bass jungle sort of city yeah man that was my jam in the and I, 2000s i like i listen to more chilled out stuff now but i could happily listen to that all day long still for real i love it it will always be there like just spinning records and just hearing what your friends have yeah and rave culture is obviously like you know the kind of jacket scene of manchester's heavily uh, rave inspired mm -hmm. like out of practicality if nothing else well that's um, kind of how Wavy Garm started yeah it was off the back end of graffiti writing boosting from shops and then raves mm -hmm. and people at, at raves wearing like Moschino or like crazy old Versace sunglasses loads of sovereign rings stuff like that all like two pieces crazy old Italian wear that's like that was like a big inspo for everyone that's when I first realised you could make money off clothes when I was 16 and I sold something on there for like £40, just like a stussy hoodie that I paid like 15 quid for. And I yeah. was like, well, I can make, someone will just send me 40 quid for just putting a photo online. And that's where it all began, really. So shout out Andreas and Rhiannon for Wavy Arms for doing that. Big up them guys. Big up them guys, yeah. My last question on this little section is about your farming background. I know you talked about um, what people wore and how it was pure function, but mm -hmm. a lot of what you sell is very functional gear you know if it rains what you sell keeps you dry do you think that's come directly from well not directly but do you think that's come from the farming like aspect that the that you need to rely on stuff and my other question is do you have a pair of wellies i've got a, a shed full of wellies <laughs> like when it is funny because whenever anyone comes over like a guest or whatever and we go out on a dog walk and it's like don't worry there's a pair of wellies that'll fit you in there and then you've got, got to dig through until you find like a size eight or whatever but there's wellies on wellies on wellies we, i like if rural rags ever flops i'll start a welly <laughs> warehouse wholesale or something the sort of, see this is one thing that i don't think has made the crossover um wellies whilst they're, they're, they're literally the most functional shoe mm -hmm. you can wear like you can get decent extremely uncomfortable though neoprene lined ones can you yeah yeah them? yeah you can get nice wellies but they look so fucking shit man they they're, do look shit and they're so clunky steezless man and the, the connotations of them as well you look like you're going on a fox hunt or you're going to take milk out of school children's hands it's t total tory gear it is an God, I hope I don't come across like that because fuck those guys. <laughs> Big time. Put that in the podcast. Don't cut that out. That or maybe be. bleep the swear word if you have to, but... No, no. Fuck them. Um, basically, in terms of the outdoor functional gear side of it, though, I wouldn't say so. No. But, like, it's been nice, though, because... I've got a farmer family and I sell these jackets now and like I've given them all some to wear. Do you know what I mean? So they've got like good jackets to so wear. Your mum all dripped out. Yeah, give her an Sick. after jacket, give her something nice, like my little sister and whatnot. Can't wait to um, see the pic the pics on the feed, man. Yeah, I don't know why I've Christ taken Christmas any, but, photo. But I remember it? my little sister, I gave her one for her birthday last year, like this white one that was really sick. Um and she sent me like a photo of her so sideways of she's she does not do clothes. Okay. Do you know what I mean? She's like an academic, she doesn't care about right. any of this. And she sent me a photo of her sideways, like how I'd wear the hood, like all cinched up and stuff. And she was like, I look like you today. But yeah. and I was like, this is so funny. That's I love cute, that side man. of it. Yeah. But no, it, it correlates the whole what I sell and where I've come from. But that's there's, there's no actual like, um, I don't know the word for it. There's no actual connection. Yeah, there's no like lineage for, so. straight from, no, from one no. to the other. I wouldn't, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to do this because of this. Yeah. I just did it because... I liked it, yeah. then it, I get how it works like that though. Yeah, man. That's not me. I watched a brilliant little video that Proper Magazine made recently. I think was Jacob involved with that? A little kind of like where you, you're talking about mental health on it. Oh no, that was me and my friend Lucian from Bristol. He's okay. a real young kid that's sick at filming and films loads of skate stuff. And I've had a few jobs recently, like one with Edwin and then one with... 
like unknown UK, like that brand, and they needed video work done for it. Yeah. And I wanted Lucy, Lucian to brought because he's really good at what he does. Yeah, he's but he's classic. just known for skate stuff, and the pay isn't that good. But when you work in the fashion industry, you can make a video, and you could he could get paid for like he, three skate jobs worth of jobs for like one fashion video. Yeah. So I brought him in on those, and then he was like, "Oh, let's do like a little mini doc," and it was supposed to be on Royal Rags. But then we kind of just spoke more on like mental health. I heard in that video, you got asked what were you like as a teenager? Do you remember? And you say, I was a little nerd, man. <laughs> I, I fucking love that. Did like, you? Do you know what? That's the one part of the video that I was like, maybe we should take that bit out. Why? Because you don't, you don't mean it. No, I wasn't. No, but the thing is, like, I wasn't particularly like a nerd, but I was just I I looked like one, I guess. Okay. Because so I always had glasses, but like, I'm not the brightest tool in the shed. Hence, why I didn't go to uni and started working for myself. Okay. But I was just I just looked like a little nerd. At All right. School. So th this is like, my question. Tied on up glasses, is like, really <laughs> bad trim. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just looked dreadful. So, so my my question was: Is there a was there a, a part of your your kid? kind of fashion history that you look back on you think that was a bit of a clangor but I guess this is what uh, we're talking about the vast majority of it um, I would say I've only yeah loads of it god because I've always had quite big feet and mm -hmm. back then I was a little emo and I'd wear like the skinniest black jeans but I'd wear like bright red converse and imagine being like 15 of size like 10 feet yeah and you're wearing jeans that are like like super duper yeah duper skin tight literally yeah that was a really embarrassing time in my life um, but I thought I looked really cool. I bet you did back then. Like people, yeah. maybe I did, but I don't know. Right now, I wouldn't. If I if I walked past someone like that, I'd be like, "Oh, that's cute," because that used to be me. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so glad I don't look like that anymore. Yeah. But everything changes, man. Like, I don't know. It's great. It's great to admit it, man. Because we were recording a podcast for an, for another brand, and a lot of the people were saying that they didn't really have any of these fashion faux pas in the history. Mm -hmm. I was like, well. You weren't trying hard enough then, man. If you've not made mistakes, if you can't admit that you look like shit a few times. Oh, like, I've looked like shit more than a few times. I like, even when I step out of the house sometimes now, I'm like, I don't even know if this works, but I just can't be arsed anymore. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I like my clothes and I'm happy wearing them. And if other people walk past me and they think, hmm, then I'm like, what, what's that to me? That, to them, that's a passing thought. To me, I'm not even going to think about it in yeah. 0.1 of a second. On that kind of subject, how important is experimentation to you? Because when I look at you, you're obviously not a conservative dresser. You kind of push things a little bit further than some people do with the tats, with the, uh, the cut of your trousers, with like everything about you is kind of um, hyperbole. Like it done, done to a little bit more than other people would do it. How important is experimentation to you and pushing those boundaries? The weird thing about it is I'm, I'm not really trying to do like anything. Okay. And I don't feel like I'm really experimenting with anything. It's just like I've got a load of stuff. I like everything that I've got. Whatever works with whatever works with whatever. Yeah. And then if so, I'll wear it. And if I like it, I'll wear it. If I don't, and I'm just very particular over really small things like how tight a neckline is on a t-shirt or like where trousers drop to and stuff. So just I don't really experiment or try and change things. I just wear what I like and what I have and if I see something that I like I'll grab it and if I don't like it when I get it then I'll get rid of it but there's no real experimenting really Yeah. but then I'll try something on that I wouldn't usually wear for like a shoot for example like when I did the patter shoot they put me in like quite slim tracksuits and as you know most of the stuff I wear is quite baggy Yeah. and I was like oh I might start messing around with this because I actually kind of like how it looks but it's just something I wouldn't, wouldn't have normally thought of but I wouldn't really say I experiment with anything I just I like you just know what goes together. Yeah. Like certain brands that don't work together. Like you wouldn't wear, I think if you were to wear a Supreme Box logo and you had like a Dior monogram side bag on, they're two brands that don't work together and it's just too loud and just kind of a bit obnoxious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like wear layers that are kind of, I don't know, blank and stuff. Hence why the patch got sewn onto those trousers because I didn't want like a logo. Okay. I just wanted like something that was a little bit just there. Yeah. I guess the number of clothes that pass through your hands in a year is like more than pretty much 99.9% .9 of the population. So you can experiment to a certain extent mm -hmm. because you can you can magpie nick from a lot of different places. You've got more opportunity to take little bits from different yeah, places. Yeah, I get that. Um, so I think that's probably where I 
whereas you don't see it as experimentation because it's just day-to-day life i think because you're thinking about clothes so much mm. it, it, it kind of is ingrained it's natural to you yeah. to experiment i heard you speaking on the trees and nylon podcast maybe a year a year or two ago now um yeah, about, it was a while ago. About I big up trees and nylon, by the way. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. You were talking about items that keep you guessing, uh, like jackets with hidden pockets, and secrets that they kind of reveal to you as you wear them. I've seen you wearing a lot of kind of snowboard jackets with secret bits, and we were talking about that peapod jacket before. Is that your favourite type of clothing, the stuff that you just look at and you think, oh man, that's a little secret. Is that what keeps you buzzing about? Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. It's super impractical to wear uh, because most of it is snowball gear. Like the Burton Q jackets I did the shoot on with like the hidden pockets with the magnets you put under as those pockets. It's a snowball jacket, so yeah. it's heavy. Like wearing that around is hard work. Um, and then like the other one that had magnets on the good enough jacket so sick the one that like you rip open like that and there's all the pockets yeah but the magnets are so strong and they're everywhere that you lean over and they bunch over from yeah, the side man. and just connect so it's like you can't wear this stuff really like you I can don't... you can for sure but it's kind of impractical but it is my favourite stuff because it's just like who thought of this mm. and it's like why is this not getting made anymore because all of these are from like the mid early late well thousands two thousands so like all of this stuff is just not really getting done anymore. Everything's just kind of changed to crazy panelling and mesh and weird transparent. Well, not weird. Cool transparent. Yeah, why did I say weird? Cooler like transparency bits and like the sh- just the shape and the cut and the fit are more minimalistic. I've seen you doing some stuff with. Is it Container recently that's got all the different meshes over meshes? Yeah. So Containers who did that people bag in yeah. that photo. All right. That's all. I, lo- I love that layering of mesh. And you can see the technology of the jacket from the outside, if you will, on that stuff. And I think that's dead exciting looking. Yeah, he's a clever guy, man. But that's not even like the tip of the iceberg with the stuff that he does. That For him, that was just more of like a fun thing to make. Yeah. But I just, I love that kind of stuff. It's so as soon as he started making them, I was like buying them off him for like cheap. And then I was just like, right, let's spend some money on some strong material that isn't going to fray. Yeah. And make some like proper ones. So we did that and sold them and they went really, really well. Sick man, so big up good. that guy. Yeah, big up Wally, big up Container. If you don't follow him, do so. So aside from Royal Rags, you're involved in a lot of other aspects of the fashion industry now we touched on before. You've done some modeling, styling, content creation, as well as paying the bills. Do you enjoy the variety that you get from doing lots of different jobs? Yeah, because I love Royal Rags and I'll always enjoy it. But as you can imagine, after eight years, anything you do will get monotonous. And it does sometimes get to that point. So the freelance jobs kind of break it all up a little bit. And it's all very new to me. Uh, I never considered doing any of these things until I got approached to do so. So it was nice that that was, that did happen. Because it just breaks the week up a little bit or breaks the day up. And it gives you something different to look forward to. Yeah, man. And then it makes me work harder with rural rags because I know I've got a time frame to get this done because I need to take X amount of days off to do the freelance job so it's kind of good tiring but good and the money's good yeah yeah I think uh, it opens like in terms of your own taste like you were talking about the Patawan something you wouldn't normally wear when you're asked to model it mm-hmm. or style it and you've got to make the best out of something that you wouldn't normally do I've done a few modelling jobs where I've worn things for like fucking hell that's not me man but once you've worn it like I yeah, can understand good, yeah. it a little bit more now like can see where it's coming from and that might change you going forward so the variety might inspire you down different angles with your, your main jam with Royal Rags. Yeah, it is nice. And it's nice that these brands that I've always looked up to, like I was wearing Patter at college. Mm. So was, for them to ask me to come and do that for them, that was, well, surreal. Really. Are they Amsterdam? Amsterdam, yeah. And it was cool. That that was a, that was a really fun one. That was, there was like not really anything exchanged for it. It was more of just a, can you do this for us? And I was just like, yeah, of course. Mutual love kind of thing. Yeah, but there've been a lot of brands that have approached me and I just say no to, even if the money's good, just because it's like, I wouldn't ever wear that brand. Yeah. And I like, why, like it's kind of sell out of me to promote it if I wouldn't ever mess around with it in the first place. You've got to think about the long game as well, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're still a young kid doing what 26 27 now yeah 27 now like you know you got to think about what it's going to be like in 10 or 15 years as well and if you've Mm -hmm. already shot your shot like 
Yeah, there might not be anything left in 10 years. That's what I'm thinking. So, like, well, God forbid Raw Road touch wood. Raw Road's last forever. Yeah. But if it does ever flop, I know that through doing what I've been doing over the last few years of brands and stuff, that a a good job will come at the back end of it. I know I could do something with someone that would be as sick, but then it's just working for someone again. Yeah, man. Being told what to do. You'd be sacked sacked the next day. Yeah. But the (laughs) thing is, I worked really hard at the start, but then I realised I could just make more money doing that other stuff with my time why am I doing it and then you lose care for the job and then you get fired because you end up doing nothing but it's not like I'm yeah I don't know it kind of sounds like you need it for your for your head and I do want to touch on that a little bit because I know it's something you are quite outspoken about headspaces and mental health and I think anxiety in particular mm-hmm. is something that you might struggle with yourself yeah for is that sure. fair to say how important is the community around clothes to you and what goes on in your head? Do you find it a positive effect? Is it sometimes a negative thing for you? It's 50-50. Like, yeah. Royal Rags makes me happy when it's going well. But then, because I do everything, it's like... And when I'm doing all these freelance jobs, it's hard to keep on top of customer service and orders and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stress that comes with it and a lot of people you've got to explain why this hasn't happened in X, Y and Z. And the people that are in the... Clone community, there's a lot of lovely, lovely people that I've met, but then there are a lot of people that are very much so in it for themselves and would easily do you over if they could. So I've just found it easier to kind of just like do my own thing and stay out of the way, I think. Okay. But there are good people involved, but there are a lot of people involved. I don't like the people that are in it just for the money, that just sell loads and loads and loads of like wholesale stuff to get rich. Yeah. Like getting rich to me is if I ever do, would be a bonus. To be able to keep selling stuff that I like and do that as a job is what I would prefer to do. Yeah. I would rather be like skin and not be able to buy ciggies from the shop but have a load of cool stock I could put on the website than sell loads of stuff that I don't care about and have a nice house in the countryside. I think for longevity, for everyone's, everyone's collective mental health, like if people are in it just for the money, then that's when it becomes a bit toxic and a bit damaging. Yeah, but it's kind of it's easy to tell when someone's in it just for the money. Yeah, it's easy to tell before you meet them. You all got to do is look at their website. So do you yourself have to protect you? Have you have you come up with coping strategies, or have you just found plowing your own furrow and keeping in your own lane to be the most the it's best? Kind of do my own thing. I take inspiration from certain friends, um, and I feel like everyone does that. But it's mainly just I just do my own thing. There are a few people, not going to name any names because some of them are secretive, but um, that I like talk to and discuss and we do little bits and bobs. But outside of them, it's very much I just do my own thing. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the people, those other people involved, they kind of do like the same thing as me or like the same thing but a different variant of it, do you know what I mean? And I suppose on the more positive side of it, like clothing, fashion, attracts like-minded individuals creative maybe um welcoming maybe in the main part do you find have you found the people that you've met in here to be like the people that you've needed for your own mental health yeah to a certain degree because there are like people like george shout inside tag probably the best reselling page in the entire world in my opinion um he's a good friend of mine and he's always like if i've needed him he's been there um yeah, well, everyone's kind of there for you. But then when you're going through tough times, it's like sometimes you just don't want anyone. Mm. So it's kind of hard to think of like particular people. So I, I don't want to say that no one's been there for me, but I feel like I'm the one that's made it so that it's made it feel like there hasn't been as many people okay. there for me, if that makes you sense. Pushed them away. You, you have kept your head down. when. Yeah, kind of pushed people away when they've tried to help. Well, that's one coping strategy, man. That works for some people. Like. Yeah, it kind of does for me to an extent, and then I just let it all out on one person. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird one, man. It's a weird one. Your head's just a, a horrible place. And the older you get, the weirder it gets. <laughs> Tell me about it, man. Yeah, yeah, for After sure. It's 37. It's still dark up there. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> to die. Yeah. Oh, I'm 27 club now, aren't you? Oh, yeah, man. We all know what that hell. means. Yeah. Good, the good and the great. Who's your favourite 27-year-old death? You've got Janis Joplin. You've got Nick Dre. You've got Kurt. You've got... Probably Kurt. Kurt was the first person that came into my head, so I'm probably just going to roll with him. A fashion icon as well. Like. Yeah, and like I've the first CD I ever got was when I was in like year four, and my friend's dad used to pick us up from primary school, and he used to play that Nirvana CD with the little baby naked catching the dollar. Never mind. That's the one. Yeah, man. And 
uh, one day he just gave me that CD because I'd always ask it to be put on and that was like the only CD I had for like two years so probably Kurt Cobain because that's what kind of started it all yeah up. total icon man the songs still stand up today he, it's amazing you've got 993 on your knuckles there is it or oh, 33 is it no, I've got nineteen nine. I've got nineteen sixty two and nineteen thirty three. Okay, so this is no relevance to that at all. But he died in no. nineteen ninety four, which is what is that the? That's year? two years before I was born. Yeah, nuts. That's fucking mad, isn't it? And he's still culturally relevant to people today. Yeah, I don't think he'll that legacy will go anytime soon. No. He did a the, like the whole Nirvana thing in general did a lot for music. I feel for real changed it forever. Mm -hmm. Top three selected. Charlie, I want from you a top three list of non-traditional retailers. So people like yourself who sell vintage secondhand, it might be direct customer brands that have done it kind of ground up or digital first brands. Just stuff you can't buy in a normal shop, basically. Right, so like, cool, who's doing easy, it for you? This is so easy. I know this straight away. In my line of work, inside tag, as I already said, George, 100%, he's the best. Uh... Independent artist Connor, the guy that airbrushed his sweatshirt. <laughs> Don't know if you can see it on camera, but sick. Whole lot of that. Nice. Uh, his Instagram's like shit for brains, shit with a five. Okay. He is incredible at what he does, and more people need to know about him because his stuff is just so 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 good. Get on that. Um, but I would say I would go third brand. I'd go Container. He's Ollie is one of the cleverest guys, and he's going to come out of the unicorns that he's doing with an insane internship somewhere. I know he is. He's going to be doing big, big bits. Sick, man. I want to watch. What's that on Instagram? Container. There's a dot in there somewhere. We'll flash it up on the bottom. Yeah. And what people see on the Royal Rags site is a beautifully put-together collection of well-chosen gear. Tell us a little bit about some of the hard work that people don't see on there that's dead important to what you do. What other Royal Rags stuff? Yeah. Mate. What's the day-to-day -day grind look like? I reckon people think that I've got like a ton of people working for me and I've got this massive office. Nah, mate, it's just me and my office is tiny and it's just me and every day and it consists of steaming, taking photos, editing, wrapping parcels, sitting on my beanbag, replying to emails, looking for stock, paying stuff off all day, every day, which is the most monotonous thing in the entire world. I've never steamed a garment and not burnt my fingers at any point. I burnt myself quite bad off the back end of it, but like the steamers are just rubbish in general. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just like I'm a, I'm cheap, so I'll, I'll, I'm an idiot and I'll spend money on nice little bits of jewellery and whatever, but I won't invest in a hundred pound steamer that last forever. <laughs> I'll buy this little thirty pound hand. Off Amazon, so, yeah, yeah, they just die like a month in. But no, the day-to-day -day life is literally like everything that you would think to go into running a business. That is what I'm doing every day. So like after this podcast, I'm going to walk to the office and I'm going to do exactly what I've just told you. I won't keep you too long, man. No, it's fine. Don't worry. Next hype. I know you sell the clothes that you love. Mm-hmm. Summer's on its way. You're kind of jacket first. Um, a lot of kind of, I don't associate you more with the, the in-between months and the wintry months. But what have you and Royal Rags got in store for the warmer months? Have you got anything that's uh, going up there soon for I'm a, I'm a take every day as it comes kind of guy, man. Okay. I've got no plan. Um, <laughs> not really. I don't know. I'll keep just, I'll just guess rather than searching for jackets, it would just be like loads more bags and accessories and t-shirts and like just little cool bits and bobs like cool gilets and whatnot. But I feel like over the summer, I'm starting my own little thing which I said I couldn't really speak about, but I will. But I'm going to be putting some stuff out soon, and that's probably what's going to consume my summer. Okay. But I don't think there's going to be anything coming out in summer. The first, I think that's going to start as of, like, August, September time. you got to sow them seeds, man. Yeah, it's on the way. It's on the way. You'll see it when it happens. But it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. But summer rural rags, just the same but less jackets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to shift all the puffer jackets I can now because the sun's beaming. Yeah, man. It's going to get cold again in a few weeks. Yeah, it's Manchester. The weather up is isn't rubbish. It? So before you said Royal Rags is going to live forever, and I hope it does for I you, hope, so. I hope it does for everyone. Like, How would you like to see it develop? Is a bricks and mortar shop the dream, or do you like to stay agile and kind of fast-moving as you are at the moment? I would like a brick and water shop like when I lived in Bristol me and my friend Billy shout out Billy does Don Majors best vintage shop in Bristol um, we shared that shop and it was great I loved it and I would like to have one of my own and the way I see it with it, so 
the online stuff is a lot of work, but it's really like this because it's established now. It's really good for sales. So it's like, why would I stop? Yeah. But I would like to eventually kick what I'm working on this second project off for that to do well, and then to kind of open a brick and mortar shop and get someone to like work in there, and I still curate everything that's in there. But the website kind of just is there on halt ish, or there are people doing that for me, uh, and then I just work on like this other project more put my time into something else I feel like I need to change yeah it's been the same thing for like eight years now and it's getting like I need I'd like, I'm getting itchy feet and I'm like I need to do something that isn't just going on Facebook marketplace so difficult when you've put all your energy into a business to relinquish a bit of control and mm -hmm. like let other people do you things see that's the thing that's why I've not that's hired how people build so shit in it man that's how people if you, if you can relinquish that control and get someone else to do it 80% as good as what you mm -hmm. could do it then that's worth doing so you can spend 100% of your time on that's why I've, that's purely why I've not hired anyone so far it's because I haven't felt Rural Rags is a second reflection of myself and if it looks shit I look shit mm. and I love everything that I do and it's everything that in my head is teachable but like you you gotta listen. You know what I mean, because if you mess it up, I'm. It's like I'm. I just don't want anyone to mess my stuff up, yeah, really. Man. And there have been a few people that I've trusted to do so, but I haven't had like the money to pay them really because I'm doing all X, Y, and Z. But I will do that eventually. That's yeah. coming. But an employee will come very soon to do something at least because I'm like, as I said earlier, I could fall asleep right now. So and I've got to go to work after this. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to ask you the last question for you for today. Then okay. Um, oh, I don't want you to end it because like, nah, because I just said I'm knackered. That was just a second. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how much do you care about clothes? Uh, I well, them. I guess they're my life somewhat. I've, I've always I love them, and they've made everything that I've ever done that I've enjoyed possible. I guess I don't. Care, uh, I don't care about clothes in a way that I don't care about what people think of me. Okay. I'll wear what I like always, but I love clothes. Scale of 1 to 10, 10 probably. I thought, you were, I thought we were going to get that. Maybe it's straight up 10, if not an 11. Yeah. <laughs> I love them, man. man. They're great, and it makes me happy. Clothes make me happy. And like you get a little serotonin boost at the start, but then you know, and you've got like the bits that you really wanted for ages that you never thought you'd have. Yeah. And I'm like, this is sick. Nice. And it's like I've not got them because I want to impress other people. I've got them because I've wanted them for a long time, and now I finally get to wear it. And you just feel good. If you step out of the house feeling good, you have a good day. For real. Let's leave it on that note. Thanks a million for doing it, man. Appreciate You're so it. welcome. Thank you for having me on. Nice one. Blau. Boom, there you are. What a lovely lad. Big up Charlie for coming on and big up you lot for listening. It is properly, properly appreciated. If you loved it today, click share on your app and WhatsApp it to your mate who loves clothes. It doesn't cost a thing. But if you do want to support us financially, head to patreon.com slash myowngarms and give us a couple of quid, please. Thanks a lot. Big shout out to everyone that made this episode happen. Aston for the lovely microphones, Native for the sweet apartments, and big up you lot for listening. See you on the next one. Trust me, it feels amazing. Strangers, oh, I can't so much by strangers.